Blog Talk Radio. Uh, not exactly since the Secretary of State has already certified 
Mm-hmm. No. Uh, yeah, so essentially, behind. Even uh, the governor said Friday last night. Separately. Friday. Yeah. So he, the secretary doesn't report to the governor like, uh, like as if he's appointed. We actually vote for the secretary of state. So he's only mm-hmm. accountable to us, the people that voted for him. So okay. it doesn't really matter what the governor says. As long as the secretary of state says these results are certified and credible, that's not all that it. matters. Mm. Interesting. Bella, the governor uh, certified last night. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He has no choice but to certify. That's it's more of a ceremonial oh, law, I, I guess. I mean, the Secretary of State has already said these elections are valid, they're credible. I mean, for mm-hmm. him, it's just mm-hmm. a a signature on it. There's nothing he can really. Okay, so the governor it. just puts his signature on it. He has no. He can't debate, discuss, evaluate, analyze, or anything. He just has to put his signature on it. Yeah, really. It's just. I think just a ceremonial thing. Hmm. Okay. It's amazing how the donor does put everybody under pressure. Something else to do with. Uh, <laughs> I was telling a friend, Roger, I said, Donald is making Mugabe look like an amateur, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was telling somebody, I said, the, uh, for us in the United States, they are discouraging. Like I said in my opening remarks, we are going into this, what we call the holiday season. Thanksgiving is big. It's huge here. And um, the health experts have discouraged people to travel uh, just to do it within the people that you you live with or hang with every day. But it's amazing. Some of the people I know in my circles are, uh, are making those trips. Uh, Noah, you are in the health sector. I don't know what your thoughts on this are. Yeah, it's always uh, interesting, I think, especially with the numbers. I'll speak here for Indiana. In Indiana, mm-hmm. the numbers have been going up. I think the Midwest, uh, we are, uh, I think, especially for some schools, because initially when the numbers were going up, the uh, governor had suggested that schools be closed except uh, November the 30th. But mm-hmm. uh, because numbers kept going up, so they had to make an emergency decision. So schools are officially closed in Marion County here in Indiana. So, okay. of course, people have to err on the side of prevention. But when the authorities are providing these guidelines, don't travel and things like that, but you have a few people who are actually protesting, especially in Michigan and other parts, especially the Republican sect who are even going to the extent of even planning to assassinate the governor because he was advocating for people to wear masks. That just shows you that even when they say travel advisory, don't travel, to some people it's just a waste of time. They feel like this is a conspiracy, this is not happening. But anyway, it's just one of those things that I think uh, as a people, uh, no matter what is put out there, people will always mm. want to have a different opinion just to align with uh, certain, I mean, uh, especially in this case, is Donald Trump. I mean, not even conceding the, the, uh, the, election. I mean, the election. It just mm. shows that they are just doing everything possible to frustrate the process. You see, one thing I've discovered is that the system 
or governance style. Of course, it's federal in this country. And the famous phrase, Bela, uh, unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional. You keep hearing that phrase coming up when you are dealing with controversial issues in the United States. It's unconstitutional. Uh, our First Amendment rights, our Second Amendment rights, I have noticed that in this situation, it, that this system is basically working against the best norms of controlling or putting this thing under control. The unconstitutional phrase, so, that's the most famous phrase in this country, unconstitutional, unconstitutional. You can't tell me to wear a mask. You can't tell me not to do this and all that kind of thing. You see, he, let me even take it this route, the religious way. That's why you find that the, the style of practice of Christianity in this country is different from the part of the world we come from. I'll go as much as to say that. Because it, you will find that I've heard... I, I used to really laugh in my early days in the U.S., Roger. You hear the pastor stand up and say something to say, like, uh, we're going to be doing this, that, that, those that will be available, and if your schedule permits, you can, we encourage you to attend. In Africa, Bella, the pastor doesn't talk like that. He tells you, we're having a prayer meeting on this day, and everyone is expected. Exactly. I, you see, I know there seems to be that kind of, but it's like you find that everybody in every sect, in, 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 in all spheres of life, if I may put it that way, you find that people tread carefully. It's like you're walking tiptoe. You have to be careful what you say. You know, it might hurt people's feelings and things like that. And I'm just saying, I don't know what you gentlemen, your observations are on well, this. Nathan, that is why here when they say there is separation yeah, no. of church and state mm-hmm. in the Constitution, as written in the Constitution, it is just that. Whereas back home, we want the church especially our steering leaders, mm. they want to bring church in politics. In politics. Because they know then you cannot argue against them when they mention God. You cannot argue. But in the meantime, you can even see how much their mismanaging, mismanagement is affecting all of you. Mm. But as soon as they mention prayer, everyone... We, we can't challenge them. And hence, you find in a country like Zambia where we should have 90% of the people saying Lungu should go, but we have a good number saying we are Christians for Lungu. Why? Because we want to include God in our politics. Mm. <clears throat> we want to include God. <laughs> but here, church, when you, when you come kunchito, you come to work, church remains outside. You have to work here or you'll be fired. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, if I may add, Vanessa, you know, that's what makes yes. America, America. You know, mm-hmm. we, people value their individual freedoms and they're willing to die and to kill 
uh, for those yeah. individual freedoms. And that's what has made even controlling this pandemic a challenge. It's not like China where if the state says this, the whole country shifts. Exactly. exactly. Here, as uh, Roger said, we have our opinions and we feel we have the right to self-determination. Uh, so that is what makes America uh, unique. I mean, it has its pros and cons, as uh, Roger has rightly mm. pointed out. But that is the nature of America. It's our individual rights trump those of the, of the group. Unlike other countries, as you said, in Zambia, where the group trumps the individual rights. You even see yeah, the dynamics in the family. You know? mm. In the U.S., you're pretty much expected to take care of yourself as you grow old. But in Zambia, there's that expectation that you know my children will also take care of me when I get old, just as I took care of them. Yeah. yeah. That's true. So each side, each side of the paradigm or the two spectrums of the two worlds, if I may put it that way, I've got the advantages, there are pros and cons, like you have said, Bella. Uh, Yama, I'd say well, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Nkama. How are you? I've told you, Yama, Mr. Nkama lives in Mufrila. Okay. <laughs> good morning, Yama. Uh, uh, what can I say? You know, <laughs> you, you, we share chimpoyas. We, we, we Some of us, uh, they some people they won't understand, you know, but, uh, you know, you are, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Actually, you know, when you call him Mr. Nkama, I really understand what you mean. But okay, the, the person you call doesn't understand what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, help what me. Is, what does he mean? What does have, he mean? It, it is a... Can I, maybe let me put it in simple terms. In simple terms, to to, to him, from the way I hear it, it is a nickname he has given you. Oh, so, okay. Eh, like we call him Yama. Yes, exactly. So he doesn't call you Mr. Nkama as Mr. Nkama. No, no, no. That is a name he has. For me, I've given Bella, Mr. B, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, we'll leave him. We let him get away with it. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Good morning, Florida. We're gonna get into our discussion now. I just wanted us to loosen up. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, everybody. How is the sun, sunshine state? Ah, uh, we have a cool. We are, we are in the seventies now. Our high will be eighty-five, so it's a perfect day. You hear the Queen Florida Roger seventies. Eh? <laughs> we are all seventies right now, so <laughs> that's cool in the Florida seventies, eh? <laughs> okay. The what I wanted us to do today is okay, we were supposed to have some real estate person, Zambia building Zambia National Building Society people come and talk about issues of acquiring property and land in Zambia, but uh, communication issues, Alan and I are still working on that. Most likely we'll do it uh, next Saturday. Today I want us to talk about, um, I don't know why I like this word, the Zambian diaspora, how it is evolved and how it is how it has, it has is evolving. And uh, we have two people here who are community leaders, specifically association presidents, Noah, of course, in Indiana, and he's also the 
as Anun's president. I understand his term is coming to an end this December. Interesting, Zambians really have organizations whose term comes to an end. Eh? That's that's very encouraging <laughs> because we are known for wanting to be in power forever. And then, of course, Bela, who is the Atlanta Association here. So this issue of Zambia diaspora evolving, of course, Alan, uh, Roger, Uncle Daniel Chisebe here, you can also give your input. You, we, we've all lived in this country for for a long time. I, wrote, I know Roger, you used to be here, then you went to Canada. Mm, that's a good morning to Titus as we continue. Hi, Titus. Hi, good morning. Mm, how's Minnesota? It's okay. It's okay. It's calm. Mm-hmm. Weather has no, changed. No, no, no. Weather is okay so far. Okay, good. So we're going to look at the Zambian diaspora evolving in uh, three in the three aspects of socially, politically, and economically. Bela, let me throw this first question to you. So when we're talking about a community or something evolving, what, what exactly do we mean? Or how does it come out? How would you put it to somebody when they ask that question? Uh, for me, I look at the, the dynamics of how the community uh, is changing, whether it's mm -hmm. demographics. Uh, for example, demographics can be one area. And then the mm -hmm. other one is a sense of group priorities that the group takes on. So that's what I, I think of when somebody's a house of community uh, evolving. I look, I look at those two primarily is the dynamics and just the priorities that as a group the community seems to be taking on. Mm. Mm. Noah, same question. How would you respond or look at that question? Yeah, I think to add on just to Bella's point, uh, we have come a long way. I think these associations uh, started back in the 2000s and they became a little bit stagnant for lack of involvement. But mm -hmm. I think now we are getting to a point where we are, especially for instance here in Indiana, we have uh, added some incentive to get people involved. Uh, I'll be speaking a little bit more, uh, especially okay. on the Zanus radio show tomorrow. But at least mm -hmm. we are getting somewhere because in the past it was very hard to just get people involved. But at least now we are at the point where, to your point earlier, we are even transitioning uh, leadership uh, from the Zanus front. But at least uh, there's a lot of people who want to get involved, but still others are still standing on the fence just trying to see what's going on until everything is structured to a point where it's acceptable for them. That's when they just come, but they don't want to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty as we are pushing everything. But so far, at least I'm, I'm happy with the progress that we're making uh, in Indiana and across the country. Okay, excellent. It's good to hear that. And uh, that component, hope we can get into it as well towards the end of our discussion. Uh, people that don't want to get involved, are they going to be on the fence forever, or what really is the issue? Roger, in Canada, how 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 is the Zambian community? How is the Zambian community structured? You have associations. Uh, what sort of things do you guys there do? Um, uh, 
since you moved there from the States, how, how have you seen, I don't know if you can compare the two places. <laughs> um, the, the two places, Nathan, you and I have been on radio forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. We know the, the story of the diaspora. We've done case studies after case study. It does not matter actually which uh, which country. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are some because of their numbers, like uh, Nigerians, they seem uh, to progress a little bit more. They they do things a little bit more. But if you if you look at the this, this organization, uh, uh, Noah Noah is talking about. If you heard what Noah was telling, we are beginning, mm. and yet some of us have been here in diaspora, coming to 22 years, 23, 30 years, and in 2020, we are saying we are beginning. Mm. Do you know how that sounds, Nathan? It, it tells you how difficult it has been. We did a study here uh, on Radio Nathan, you, you, you heard. It was the Irish. They were trying to bring the diaspora together, and the narrator, if you if you if you remember, he was saying the the diaspora have independent minds. They are detached. You know mm. that that is the way across the board. That is not uh, only the, the the Zambians, and that is the way I think even the the, the ones we have, especially in Canada, a place. We are not so many. Uh, okay, this side of the world, western side, uh, very few Zambians are. We are very, very distant. I'm more connected to my um, American community than I'm communi- connected to the Canadian. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. That, that's so, interesting. Bela, let's, let's speak a specific area. Like, uh, and then we can bring in uh, um, Alan, Titus, and everybody here. If we say on the social front, on the social aspect, how would you break down the, what do you call? How would you break down the, how we have developed, evolved, or whichever word you want to fill in the blanks? Okay, uh, so on the social front, to me, I look at the, at the family dynamics, like how are family dynamics or cultural values uh, changing? That's one part. Then the other one is how well integrated are we into the broader uh, society? Because uh, I recall when I came to the U.S., I was fairly young, 95, just turning 11. Mm. Uh, a lot of Zambians that I interacted with came as uh, families or they came for school. So most of them were probably like in their late 20s, early 30s. So they already had uh, families uh, that they came with or they had families back home that they were trying to uh, to bring this side. So yes. over time, what I've noticed that the demographics have shifted in the sense that we had younger people that came. We had younger people that came that were also uh, single as well. So what that meant is that because you're single and you're integrating into this much larger society, People do adopt those uh, individualistic uh, uh, just values of the, the U.S. 
So what mm. we notice is like people detach, they're not as uh, engaged with other families, mostly because they're on their own, they're trying to, to make it happen uh, in this country. So that's one thing that I've noticed shift in terms of social, is just like families don't engage as much as they used to, just because we have two types of families. There are those that came already established, and mm-hmm. then those that are newly establishing uh, in this country. And then, of course, when it comes to the children, that also influences our ability to interact uh, with each other's you know, Zambian families. I remember when I came here, I interacted a lot with young Zambians because you know our families interacted. But now yes. we have a situation where we have Zambians with kids, but their kids rarely interact with other Zambians, even though there's a large population of other Zambian children uh, in the community. So there's really that lack of engagement at the family level and to Noah's point we can we always say we'll start we'll start we'll start we'll try to integrate families but it's always a challenge because we have others you know who prefer to sit uh on the sidelines mm. and then of course the, the children themselves you know they they're children of both worlds you know they've adopted yes. american values but they also have Zambian values so which means socially there are certain things that the children are willing to do and not do uh a good example is like whenever we, like if there's a funeral, for example, you know, you notice that the parents always go to funerals for the most part, but their children rarely if ever attend uh, our funerals because we know funerals are a big cultural thing within our people. So mm. most parents would, would go to the funeral to go show their moral support, but their children will most likely not uh, come out. And as these children grow older, there's that disconnect that's happening uh, right there. Then the other part, of course, is engaging with the larger community as a whole. So you notice that children, they're more willing to engage with their fellow Americans or other African immigrants, but not so much with their own uh, Zambian uh, groups, mostly because as leaders, we haven't really done a good job of integrating them mm-hmm. into bigger uh, activities. Mm. Bella, you have unpacked a whole bunch of things here. <laughs> Alan, you have kids being raised here. I don't know whether all your children were born here or you have a family. I want you to build on what Bella said. I don't even know if we are going to get to the economic and political aspect of it. Just this social component of family. You've heard what Bella has said. He has really yes. unpacked a lot of things here. So, our key funeral here. Some of the things I've written down. Things like funerals are more of a cultural thing. Okay, interaction. Uh, some time ago, I made a statement like kids don't want to engage because when we take them nowhere to these independent independence events. We play our music, which they don't relate to. We bring our Nshima and Kapenta, which they don't relate to in some way. Alan, I want you to dive into what Bella has unpacked here and just pick some things and build on that. Yeah, that's, um, that's a lot. That's yes, a, it is. Fact, you know, that, 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 that's, uh, and he's right on. He's right on the money. And these are, I think for me personally, those are issues that as a parent, you kind of grapple with. You know, it's always easier to just let go with the flow and just let the kids find 
uh, themselves. But on the other hand, we watch how African Americans, those who are like African Americans, want to figure out where are we from. Am I from Sierra Leone? Am I one of them doing the the, the, the DNA tests, ancestral, mm. whatever, trying to figure out where they're from? And, and yet, are we watching our children uh, going in that same direction? So um, it's a uh, it's a challenge, and unless you are deliberate. We are, our children are going to be just as lost as the, uh, like two generations down, they'll be just as lost as their, you know, African-American uh, friends. And it is true. When we go to our, we order our independence party, the music that we are playing, and we, we tend to be reflecting more on what we used to do in Zambia, how it used to happen. So we want to have a piece of that here. And for mm-hmm. our children, they don't necessarily connect. Even the even the way we make uh, friends, you know, going back home, your mother's friend was your mother. You know what I'm saying? Your mother's, uh, yes. you know, those those bonds were also knit that way. And it's the only time you're getting to meet. But because in the community, we were always together. Our parents had gone to work if they both worked. And the kids we played, there were no restrictions. You just knew that, okay, lunchtime, we are going and that is going to eat. But after lunch, you are back together. They don't have that. You know, I always laugh when my kids are going to play outside. I have to go with them. So all the, just the way they grow up is totally different um, mm-hmm. from us. The way they dress. You know, sometimes the way I hang out with my daughter, I could imagine if my, my, uh, my, my sister could ever go uh, at 16. My father is in the couch watching TV and my sister at 16 just goes and throws herself on, on my dad, that like, it, it can't, you know, it, you know, in math, that's why we say it can't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, a lot of those things um, we're having to grapple with, and, and we are finding ourse- ourselves, even as our children are also figuring out themselves, we are caught in between two worlds, and it's a little bit worse for them, because what mm. they see in their friends' home may not be necessarily be all the way welcome in our in our homes you know caught so between two yeah you, you, you're using worlds. a word caught between two worlds Noah, do you yeah. think it's got to do with the lifestyle here our work schedules totally different from zambia most of the work most of the jobs we had back home were eight to five seven to three or probably it's the only people who probably did shift work were they like essential workers, we know nurses, police, mine. Is is this got to do with the lifestyle? No, the the issue to do with family life that it's not happening the way like it was happening in Zambia. Yeah, it has to do with that, but you have to step back and define what it means to have a community because mm-hmm. the family is an agent or a society. And the okay. society community is made up of a number of families connected. So it starts with each individual family or parents and children uh, acting and behaving. So this is why I think if you step out of the box, you go back to Africa, there is always that saying that it takes a village to raise a child, what they actually mean by that is that when a child is born into a family, into two biological mm. families, 
the child at some point will get out of the house and go and interact with kids next door. So it becomes a competitive responsibility to ensure that they have the right kind of people that they want for that community. Because when your child leaves your house and goes to interact with the child next door, the child is going to be influenced by the types of traits, characters, and attitudes that those kids have in the community. So this is why when you step back again, you look at the community is made up mm. of families. So this is why you want to ensure that each family plays a certain and specific, deliberate role in the community because children, as they go out to play with maybe my kids, get out of the house, go to hang out with Bella's kids, Bella's kids, of course, get out to hang out with maybe your kids and things like that. You find that the kids will be influenced by what prevails uh, in that community. So as Zambians, when we, we come to this part of the world, that Zambia that we left out there is going to be different because now we, are we want to bring or create that Zambian atmosphere or environment in a foreign land. This is why when you look at the Chinese, they have those mm. Chinese communities. If you look at, I think, next door here in Illinois, we have a lot of... Uh, Jewish people, they live in their own community. So we as Zambians, we have to figure out what we want to create. And let me just put it in different terms. When you, are, when you want to create a certain type of, let's say, bread, you have to be deliberate picking out the ingredients. You have to make sure that the flour is either brown flour or it's a purified one and you have to know the measurements for the baking soda and all those ingredients because you <laughs> have to be deliberate to ensure that if you want the bread to turn out a certain way, therefore you have to monitor exactly what you put in into the mixture before it's put into the oven to bake. So the same applies when you look at the community. We as mm -hmm. Canadian people, now that we are here in the United States, we have to ask ourselves, what type of community do we need to have? When we, when we figure out what type of community, for instance, do we want our orientation to be focused on technology? Do we want to contribute to the economy in terms of like raising Zambians who are going to solve problems in terms of from a technological aspect? Therefore, you have to bring it down on the family level now that kids have to be exposed to either computers or this type of learning and things like that. So I know we may, not, we may be limited on time, so that's my addition. Otherwise, it just uh, takes the family to figure out what they want, because as much as some people may feel and think that their family is different, they do not want to participate in the uh, community we had, uh, I think Bella is, uh, would attest to this, a lot of people would say, I don't want to be associated. By mm. you saying that, you are not helping. Because it's like somebody wants to clean the house. You say, let's clean up the house. And then you say, no, me, I'm not moving. My side here is clean. When you can see, if you have to clean the house, make sure that you mop, you sweep, you gas, whatever, everything. But we have elements in our community. Some of us and Bella, we are saying, let's clean the house. This is dirty here. Others say, no, I don't see the dirt. So that's sort of in a nutshell what is happening, but it's 
it's going to take some time, but at the end of the day, we have to be delivered with what the end product that we want. And in this, in this mm. case, I, 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 I like the word I like the word you are using. We have to be deliberate, or others like to say we have to be intentional. Uh, final question or comment on this, and I don't know who wants to come in here. Uh, don't you think part of the reason is that these kids are growing up in this environment? but we still want to hold on to certain cultural tendencies which they don't relate to. Let me give a perfect example of our situation in this family. What Gladys and I do, Roger, when we're going somewhere to attend a community event, we do ask our daughter, our, our, our girls, hey, there's this thing going on, would you like to come with us? If they say they've got something, of course, they've grown up now, they've got their own lives and things like that. Uh, I don't try to, we don't try to impose or make it a mandate. We give them an option if they want to come or not. Once in a while they do come, but I'm raising that point to say this, Pastor Brian, Roger, Titus, one of the things these kids say is that you guys, in as much as we want to come, you're going to drag this event unnecessarily. No time concept. Number two, you're going to play your music, which I won't even understand or relate to. Okay? Number two, I can go on making a list of items. So, you see, basically what they are trying to say is, uh, to come in the center to make them relate to what we are doing. We are stuck in our corner with our whatever cultural tendencies of things we've held on to, and we expect them to cross the center median to come on our side, but we don't make an effort to go on their side. I don't know who wants to respond to that. Let me come in, Tyler. Yeah. Everybody, what they are saying makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you start with that. But uh, somehow, myself, I can blame myself. I mean, I raised my... I have two kids. My daughter yes. thought when she learns English and stuff, that's a good plus. I never did any homework. I can't throw it to my ex-wife to say, well, she should have taught them Tonga. She didn't know it. So it was strictly my responsibility. And I had the situation where she's flying into South Africa and she's asking me, oh, dad, can you teach me some at least some Tonga ways? Because I'll go into Zambia and, and I know my grandmother talked Tonga. Mm-hmm. And it hit me hard. Because now you have two days. How can you teach somebody in two days to even speak sentences <laughs> and even remember? So there's that kind of thing. And then as earlier as yesterday, I'm talking to mom. I put three way and she comes on. She's keen to talk to grandmother. And she's mm-hmm. saying, I'm studying history. Can you teach me? Is there any diaries or journals that were written about history or something like that? And she tells me, oh, you know, I was learning about uh, Samora Mashel, Mozambican president. This and that. I said, okay, Samora Mashel. I said, yeah, yeah, that name. So we go on and she says, well, uh, he was kind of fascinated or something like that. So I tell her, look, I actually fueled the plane for Samora Mashel before it was gunned down from Osaka International Airport. You are studying something about Samora Mashel. By the way, you're in South Africa. Do you know that Samora Mashel's 
uh, well, ex-wife became Mandela's wife. And you know that Mandela is the one that introduced the Mona Michelle to the wife, which became <laughs> all that history is one thing that is loaded into what you're doing in the paperwork. And I find out she's asking mom and the history is with me here. She gets mm-hmm. surprised. Are you telling the truth, Dad, that you fueled that plane? I said, yes, I did. And 45 minutes after, it was gone down. I was even worried about fuel or whatever. So this is a history that we need to jump back, and somebody is looking for it from the other end. And I'm just simply saying areas where I find it that 40 is either it's through that that my daughter tells me I'm studying about it, but she's asking because I put her through it with my mom, which is a grandmother. And she's looking for journals to get this information. I'm right here. <laughs> you know, so you end up blowing it. But when, when you come back to the community part of it, I this is how I try to talk to people here in the community. I mean, I've been here, some people know. I've been here in the U.S. for 30 years. Mm-hmm. If somebody tells you, hey, I don't want to mix, I don't like Zambians, they just talk this negative, whatever. And then I'm like, look, can you make things easier for me? Because your relative, your wife, whatever the case is, your son dies today. I'll be going to the same people you're talking about you don't want to mix with. And I'll be telling them, hey, one of the things they'll tell me is that, oh, who are you talking about? That person, we don't even hear about him. Does he live here? You know, those kind of things. So I'm just asking. <laughs> To have a, an easy way where I say, hey, there's a Zambian who has a problem here, let's help. People are not asking me too many questions. So if you start detaching yourself that, you know, I don't want this and that, guess what? You can manage to detach yourself. But when you have a funeral, I cannot detach myself from asking Nathan, Roger, and I don't know what they'll come up with. Maybe you're the one that was telling them that I don't want anything to do with it, but I have to convince them to say that's a different page. This is a different page. We are trying to do this now. So that's what I try to use nowadays to say as much as you don't want to be involved, mm-hmm. I can be indirectly involved in the people that you don't want to be involved. We have situations, okay. you know, somebody says, I don't want people to know about what's going on. It gets serious. Then we get to know, tell people the same people you don't want to, you know. So you try to just coach people as things come around and so it's it's one of those things and another thing that we make a mistake on is I uh, to... in fact Titus we need to work on yes. bringing Ayana Ayana is that the name? And, uh, Ayan yes Ayan we yes. need to work on bringing Ayan back and talk to her about this since you've mentioned her and how we've engaged her in the in the past on this yeah, radio she... show she went to Zambia. She's trying to write a family tree. And she's asking okay. me, Dad, I met this person. How how are you related to this person? They say that they are this and that. I'm like, people are telling me, I don't even know. She has the pages are filled up. I can't even write. I'm like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that family tree thing, eh? Yeah, you have yeah I know. It's, 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 it's a that challenge. Is okay, body. let's do yeah. this. In the 15, 12 minutes we are remaining with, let's try to switch gears here and look at the economic involvement or development in our community as we prepare for next week's show where we're going to have a Zambia National Building Society um, official come and talk to us about uh, 
investing acquiring property or land in zambia and, and things like that um who will i throw this question to when we say economic um how has our community evolved economically what are we talking about alan um, well for me it starts from um what sort of are we taking mm-hmm. uh, is this better Hello? Yeah, that's better. Can you hear me? You said jobs. Mm. Yeah, what sort of jobs are we taking on as Zambians? Um, you know, and I think now we're seeing more of a spread from the uh, home care giving all the way to professionals in corporate America to the uh, construction and other aspects like that. And then also in business, we're seeing more and more Zambians becoming small scale, small business owners. So that's a, that's a huge plus because um, uh, the, what we learned, what worked here, uh, and my, my hope is that we are able to transfer some of that skill and knowledge also back home. A front that we need to tackle, economic front, is the idea of being able to work together as Zambians to make meaningful investments both here and back home. Uh, those kind of partnerships where we leverage one another's uh, knowledge, advantage, or, uh, you know, uh, capital and things like that, that we can make meaningful impact. Because the older we get, you're finding that ultimately, um, you know, what I do for my family, how big my TV is, what car I'm driving, those things begin to cease to matter. But we want to mm. take a little more interest in actual development or actual impacts on our community back home. Because I may be here, but my sisters, brothers, cousins, nieces, Nations, they are all back home, so your heart is still there. So if we can begin to harness our influence here, uh, resources here, and begin to work together in meaningful ways, it's, you know, it, it's, um, it would be a great frontier that we need to conquer. And I think we're making steady progress towards that. Roger, that is your... I know that's one of your passions, trying to mobilize us uh trying to get us together to do business projects ventures back home uh i don't know where how you want to where you want to pick up this from what alan has said um yes actually the, the, this um uh, you and i again have have called zbtr sometimes as a Someone should give us a bit. We've we've done quite a bit. Ten years and I'm take PhD. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, we we did we did uh, uh, some of the, the study again. We looked how uh, the, the Chinese. How has China evolved to where it is today? Uh, number one, it is by saving. China, Chinese people are not big spenders like mm-hmm. we Zambians are. It is saving. Uh, on the other hand, uh, especially our generation, we don't know about Back in our time, in Zambia, you moved with your entire bank account in your pocket in case you find cooking oil so you can buy. There was no time for saving. 
And <laughs> unfortunately for us, that has followed us to where we are here in diaspora. So what do we do? This is the question now we've been talking about here on Zambia Block Talk Radio. If our individual discipline is challenged in a big way because of the way we've been brought up, mm. the only way, and we know the only way we are going to be successful is by saving. There's no two way about it. You save and you invest. Some of these meetings we have been having with HH. That's what he has been telling us. I want to move the country to a point where we can begin to save, and when we save, then we invest. That there is no other two way about it. So it goes again to the chemistry of us. It's one of the things which has broken up the Calgary organization was mm-hmm. me insisting that every one of us should be putting together $20. Somewhere the chairman said, no, group $20. And yet, <laughs> as a treasurer, I was spending more money in the community, uh, patching up issues here and there, personal money. But when I try to call people, let's do things together. $20 will not, as Dr. Musanja will tell you, will not break your bank unless your bank is already broken. So let's reverse one more time. As members mm-hmm. of the diaspora, we need nothing. There's no two way about it. If we are going to do it on our own, discipline that work with sana because of our upbringing. The only mm-hmm. way is to partner one, two people, three, four. Uh, you, you crowdfund. We are looking at projects like uh, either back home, Makula Ka flat, Makabika Pantuan again. Oh, I was reading something yesterday. I wanted to bring it here. This other guy, they are doing A, A, A and B for tractors. You buy a tractor. You organize farmers. And they are hiring. Mm. When, they, when, when, when you harvest, you are part of the share. You share part of the crop from, from what, what they are doing. You can't tell me nothing. Ten of us We can buy a tractor. How many years have yeah. been here? A McDonald's Richard. It was. I'm not a McDonald's. You're tracking a diagram. Bella uh, say something on that, and then we'll go to Pastor Brian here. Pastor Brian will conclude us or wind us off. Uh, I know you have to go, Bella. Um, on the economic front, uh, what did uh, Roger said, and I don't know which angle you want to come from. Hello, Bella. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, you've heard what Bella said, or rather what Roger said, and the uh, as pastors, we are leaders in the community uh, on the economic front. Why is it difficult for us to get together and do something? Like he has said, just buy a tractor, put it on lease, Kuzambia, people are hiring and things like that, or whichever angle you want to come from. What's our challenge on the economic uh, well, front? I, I think I think what uh, what uh, devastates or what's wrong with, with, with us is our trust level. You know, um, and but I always uh, tell people, look, if we're going together in business, 
let's do a proper business plan, proper regulations, proper consequences put in place, uh, and then we go. But Sokati, we just go because I know Nathan, let's go and do business. Now we can't trust each other. What is capital yeah. they use on electricity? You see, you sorry, so, let me disturb you, interrupt you there, Alan. It, that is a perpetual thing that happens all the time. Even when you switch, yeah. you move from one church to another, you go there and you make all these pronouncements. No, I believe in this ministry, I believe in whatever. You don't even read the constitution and the doctrine or what those people yeah. believe in and where they stand from. You only yeah. want to look at the paperwork when you have a misunderstanding. That's yeah. what happened. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what but, I mean. so yeah well, Brian I wanted Brian to say uh, something here before uh, I, I, uh, I, I was going to say in my early days at Washef, when I was in, in the US Shafine, to organize it when Matilda with other women at they call it a chan Chilimba they call it a Chilimba where you you put in money everybody puts in money you give a person the next month everybody puts in money you give somebody so it went around with everybody else. I was the last one. When I was the last one, uh, not everybody uh, participated in giving me uh, the money. So that's where uh, trust issues. So it's kind of hard to trust people. Uh, you just give the money to teach this. When others don't, don't, uh, they don't fulfill their, 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 their obligation. Then I know Roger was talking about savings. Um, it's, it's a matter of change, changing minds. You know, the Bible says we renew our mind. I also had that problem of spending and always giving away. You didn't give a few because people in Africa are suffering. So all the time I would give money, but how come I'm giving all my money and here I'm remaining broke? So I had to, I had to also had to change my, my concept. I said, no, I should also um, just get myself out of troubled waters before I can also try and help other people. That's when I started the concept of saving. And I started emphasizing on my wife, my wife, save money. First, you should get paid and use the money. Uh-uh. You should learn how to save money. So in our in our household, we have that concept of trying to save as much money as as, as we can, and uh, trying to uh, start a few uh, projects in in in, in Zambia. I work with my young brother. He works on air conditioning and the whatever whatever. So I try to support him uh, as uh, being a partner also. So at the end of America. I can also get the facts from how much he's doing. That when he's working, he has that concept that it's just not for for for, for him. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, oh, sorry to catch you, Mr. Brian. Uh, Vanessa, can I add what to Mr. Brian said? If, if I know we're running short on time, but he said something that excited me. He sparked a, a beehive. Uh, the part about trust, you know, trust is always an issue. Doesn't matter whether you're Zambians or American. But what I've noticed mm. with uh, Zambians, especially that form partnerships in terms of business that tend to succeed, is I hate to say this, but you have to look at the economic level of the person that you're engaging in to do a business with. Uh, mm. If the business requires a lot of capital to invest, you don't want to partner with someone who's struggling because their priorities are definitely going to not align with you. But if yeah, you're trying yeah. to start a business that's very capital intensive, I've seen Zambians who have successfully done it for years, mostly because they're aligned on many variables. And one of the biggest ones I always see is the disposable income aspect. If somebody can afford to put $5,000 away a month or 2000 a month and not take a big hit in their budget, those tend mm-hmm. to succeed more than those that are, you know, those individuals who are struggling because their priorities always change. Yeah. 
uh, you know, somebody back home is sick, they're dead, or whatever it is, they tap into that money meant for capital investment, and it's sent home. So the other person feels, ah, you know, I can't trust this person. They're not serious. But in reality, they are facing those economic pressures that prevents them from, mm. uh, you know, actively engaging. Then the Chilimba part, I always have, I'm always on the fence on it because I've never seen anyone get rich from doing Chilimba, and I think that's probably <laughs> why I, I sit on the fence on it. I've never really been convinced <laughs> as to why I should join a Chilimba on that one. Yeah, those were my early days. I didn't know exactly well, what Well, Chilimba has no growth concept. That's, that's a problem. No, it doesn't. Chilimba. One second, uh, sorry. In Indiana is an exception, and we'll be discussing the same. Uh, we have mm-hmm. this vision of creating a bank. The Chilimba that we have in Indiana is something that has exceeded all ex- uh, expectation. And tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Zanus Radio Show because we have something that a lot of women, we were able to gather. 25 women and they are putting a lot of money aside. They are getting to a point where they want to be buying houses for each one. So I would say Indiana on that one is an exception. So tune in tomorrow for more information. Thank you. Just, I don't know. No okay. Minute, I don't uh, we have two minutes uh, remaining uh, here. Okay, you let me try to say, I'll let you have the final word. Did you want to say something, Uncle Daniel? Oh, okay. Titus, fi- finish off, then uh, we'll conclude uh, here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. On, on the area of what what Roger was saying on this uh, putting together into the Chilimba, the tractor mm-hmm. issue, I just wanted to comment that sometimes I think we also go a reverse. It, it can be a tractor, it can be a house. It can be. There are some people struggling. They own a house in Zambia. Why haven't we looked at doing a business plan to revamp that house? Because you don't start from beginning. The tractor you need fifty thousand dollars. There might be somebody in Zambia who owns a tractor and is not doing anything. Why not talk to that person? It will cut the cost to probably need five or ten thousand to revamp that tractor to be brand new. And you save 40000 to do the next phase of what you're okay. trying to do. Titus, we, we run out of time. Sure. We shall continue no this discussion next week when we have some people from okay. Zambia National Building Society. Everybody, thanks for your participation. Let's go back in into the okay. forum as if, we... If, if, if Titus part of has his point, he can bring it in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. We always continue with Nathan's hanging points. We finish okay. the next episode. Yeah. Let's do that. Mm-hmm.